Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, this is Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and we're here 17 floors above Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. And today's special edition is a Taco Tuesday edition. Why? Well, that's because today is Cinco de Mayo, and in real life, Cinco de Mayo is actually my birthday. So, yes, happy birthday to me, and we're going to get right into it. But first, a message from my favorite little person that isn't 18 yet. Happy birthday, Dad. Love you. That is my beautiful daughter, Jalissa Valdez. And, of course, I have the other one, but she's busy at work doing online classes, so she can't come and say hello. But I want to get into this brand new article. Just hit the uh, JustFacts.com website, and that's facts, F-A-C-T-S dot com, JustFacts.com. And the headline is, anxiety from reactions to COVID-19 will destroy at least seven times more years of life than can be saved by lockdowns. And this, again, is according to Just Facts. Now, if you go to the Just Facts website, and you can always sign up for Just Facts, go to justfacts.com slash rich. That's my name, justfacts.com slash rich, and you can sign up for free updates from Just Facts. So when special reports like this come out, you'll be the first one to know. Now, this report by James Agresti and Dr. Joseph Damore Jr., indicates that studies now show that excessive stress and anxiety are among the most debilitating and deadly of all health hazards in the world. Beyond the obvious effects like suicide and substance abuse, these mental stressors are strongly related to and may trigger and inflame a host of ailments like high blood pressure, digestive disorders, heart conditions, infectious diseases, cancer, pregnancy complications, and more. Now, this, of course, is from JustFacts.com, and they base everything on primary source data. So this is based on an array of scientific data that JustFacts has computed. And what they're coming up with is that the anxiety created by the reaction to COVID-19, like the stay-at-home orders, business shutdowns, the exaggeration and hyperbole in the media, all of that manipulation, as well as legitimate concerns about the virus, will destroy at least seven times more years of human life then can possibly be saved by these measures like lockdowns in order to control the spread of the disease. And this figure is actually a bare minimum. Now, according to Dr. Joseph P. Damore Jr., he's the medical doctor who um, reviewed the study. He concluded that, and I quote, this research is engaging and it thoroughly answers questions about the cure being worse than the disease. And this is coming from Dr. Damore, who is a professor of psychiatry not only at Cornell, but he's also affiliated with New York Presbyterian, and he's also a professor in the Department of Behavioral Sciences at the U.S. Military Academy. So those are the actual facts. Locking people down, 
creating a quarantine for healthy people is not legit. The COVID-19 Wuhan virus straight out of China has disrupted so much of our lives. And it's time that we take our lives back. It's time that we take our society back. It's time to open up our economy and begin living once again. Over the weekend, I hosted a show on WABC Radio, and that's WABCRadio.com if you want to check it out on May 2nd. One of the topics we talked about for one of the segments was the topic of how politicians and others are trying to politicize COVID-19 as somehow racist, saying that the virus is racist because the system is rigged against black and brown people. All you keep hearing in the media is black and brown this, black and brown that. So I thought, let me just check. I mean, what's one of the top killers in America? Heart disease, cancer. So I said, you know what? Let me take a look at the American Cancer Society website and see what they have to say about this. And according to the ACS Journal, and that's the American Cancer Society Journal, I'm just reading from the abstract on one article entitled Cancer Statistics for African Americans in 2019. And this was published on February 14th, 2019. It says that in the United States, African-American individuals bear a disproportionate share of the cancer burden, having the highest death rate and the lowest survival rate of any racial or ethnic group for most cancers. So let's stop right there. The American Cancer Society knows this and has known this for quite a while. For years, we've known that black and brown, black and brown, black and brown people have always suffered more so than our white counterparts when it comes to heart disease, when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to cancer. And likewise, when it comes to COVID-19. So why the surprise? Because they want to politicize it, because they want to make you think that everybody and everything in this country is racist, including this damn disease, COVID-19. Which I got to tell you, it doesn't care who you are in respect to race. It cares who you are in respect to your health. If you're a fat slob, COVID's coming for you. If you're old, COVID's coming for you. If you have any reason to have a weakened immune system, COVID is coming for you. Now, listen, I'm part of the crew. I am not a skinny dude and I'm brown. So that puts me in the risk factor. But my point is, I know why. I know that my dad, my dad used to take cholesterol medicine. Do you know why? I do. He used to eat fried pork. A lot of it. He liked the chicharrón. He liked to eat pernil. He loved to indulge in food that wasn't always healthy for him. And that's a a part of our culture. I don't know many cultures that really partake in kale. A lot of people have different different, uh, palates, different fancies of what they like to eat. But my point is, to me, everything always has boiled down to education. If your mom and your dad went to college and their mom and their dad went to college, you have a way better shot at earning more, learning more, knowing more, and living longer. And those are just facts. Justfacts.com, another plug. But that is the reality. That's the real deal. So for people to come and now make it look like, oh my gosh, Hispanics are now leading the, the death toll, this is not different. It's not isolated than other diseases. So when the Surgeon General, a black man from New Jersey, comes out and says, hey, you need to take care of your health to really get things in order so that we're not that group anymore, he comes under fire. They say he's a coon. They say he's an Uncle Tom. They say he's a sellout, un bendido. I say he's keeping it real. 
He's telling you exactly how it is. These are the things we need to be talking about. Where's AOC right now saying, hey, black and brown people, black and brown people eat healthier. No, AOC's running around. If you play her videos on mute, she looks like she's literally trying to take flight the way she flaps her little arms. You never hear her saying, please eat better. Please do. In fact, she's like, um, let me show you how to make a margarita. You need an, another drop of wine, another ounce of lime, another this. Come on, man. She needs to keep it real. She wants to talk about a Green New Deal while black and brown people continue to end up in body bags because she's silent on this issue. So don't come now that it's COVID-19 and say, oh, oh, hold up. Too little, too late. AOC, all out crazy. When we come back, I'm going to be getting into another topic. One of my favorites, the governor of New York, El Rey, the king, Andy Cuomo from the Andy Cuomo podcast. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. This is Rich Valdez. We are still here 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, and I am in the former WPLJ studios today, which is a real treat because it's one of the few studios here 17 floors above Madison Square Garden that has windows where you can actually see the garden, you can see the buildings, you can see the daylight, and it is still Taco Tuesday, Cinco de Mayo, my birthday. You're welcome. I'm here. Now, check it out. Anything you want to know about the show... You can find at richvaldez.com. TheRichValdez.com is our website. You can always get me on all social media platforms at richvaldez with an S, at richvaldez with an S. And I want to hear from you because you can't call into a podcast, but you can definitely send me your hate, send me your love, send complaints to Rich Cementa. That's at Rich Cementa with an S. But I digress. I want to talk about El Rey, the king of New York. And no, I don't mean Christopher Walken and I don't mean Biggie Smalls. I mean Andy Cuomo from the Andy Cuomo podcast. Every day Andy Cuomo gets up and he talks about his mother, my brother, the meatballs. There's a leg. And we've done this in the show before and I don't want to repeat it, but there's a, a, a audio clip I want you to hear that I played you some of, but not all of. And it was a back and forth between him and a reporter from Albany named Ann McCloy. Now, Ann simply asked him some questions from people she had interviewed outside that were protesting his decisions and said, hey, governor, I spoke with the protesters outside. These are their concerns. His response was very rude, very nasty, and very ungubernatorial, if you will. But there was part of the exchange where they got into it talking about what she owed him. And basically, he was referring to his right to be healthy over her right to work. And this is the part that I think is really interesting because he references a certain point. And the point that he references is economic hardship. And he says, yeah, so their economic hardship or my death, basically making the case that there's no comparison. Their economic hardship or my death. I don't know if you can hear, but there are protesters outside right now honking their horns and raising signs. We did speak to a few of them before we came in, and these are regular people who are not getting a paycheck. Some of them are not getting their unemployment check, and they're saying that they don't have time to wait for all of this testing, and they need to get back to work in order to feed their families. Their savings is running out. They don't have another week. They're not getting answers. So their point is the cure can't be worse than the illness itself. Yeah. What is your response to them? The illness is death. 
What is worse than death? Well, what if somebody commits suicide because they can't pay their bills? Yeah, but the illnesses may be my death as opposed to your death. You said they said the cure is worse than the illness. The illness is death. How can the cure be worse than the illness if the illness is potential death? But what if the, what if the economy failing Worse than death? Is equals death. Very for, because no, of mental it, illness, the people, no, the people stuck at home. No, it doesn't. It doesn't equal death. Economic hardship. Yes, very bad. Not death. So it's funny, when Cuomo's talking about economic hardship or death, he doesn't apply that to pregnant women. When a pregnant woman says, oh, but this, if I have this kid, this kid's going to be an economic hardship on society. When it comes to that, they have no problem killing babies. No problem at all. But when it comes to my economic hardship for work versus his right to live, quote unquote, it's okay then to have economic hardship. It's okay to keep people out of work because of COVID-19. You see the double standard? I call BS on Andy Cuomo. Andy Cuomo, you're full of it. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. I want to get into the topic of guns in Puerto Rico, but we may not have enough time to nail that down today. So I want you to listen to this audio clip since we're talking about tyrannical leaders of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She's the mayor of Chicago. This lovely woman. You've got to see the video that I put out on my social media. It's at Rich Valdez, and you'll see exactly what she had to say. But I'm going to play you this audio because I want you to hear what she said when she literally scolded and yelled at the people in Chicago for having a house party and threatened them with jail time if they had another house party during the lockdown. So you can't leave your house and you can't have company either in your own home. This isn't a block party. This isn't a a get together at a bar and grill. This is not hanging out outside unless it's in your own backyard. This is people in their own home. Listen to Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Now, I've directed Superintendent Brown to order all police districts to give special attention to these parties. And this is how it's going to be. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Period. There should be nothing unambiguous about that. Don't make us treat you like a criminal. But if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail. Period. Can you believe the nerve of this woman? The nerve of this woman to say that we will treat you like a criminal. Hold up, lady. I'm a criminal because somebody's in my house? Well, let me put it out there. If anybody wants to use this against me, I'm giving it to you willfully. I had family over this weekend. Yep, sure did. We had a little pre-birthday celebration for me, and it was nice. 
And I thank God for it. I thank God for America. I thank God for my liberty. I thank God for the freedom that we have. I thank God for their health, that none of them were immunocompromised. And we do our best to keep distance and whatnot, but the reality is we're a family. And COVID-19 is not going to rip apart my family. The same way that we can't let COVID-19 rip apart our country. That's just not acceptable. Now, keep it locked right there because I've got a different take on something that went down in New York City uh, over the weekend. And I want to share it with you. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This is America. All right, we are back. Now, over the weekend, there was a lot of talk from both left and right, from conservative media and liberal media. Everybody had the same thing to say. The left was saying that the officer was uh, police brutality, and the right was saying that the government has run amok and it's a police state. I say to both of them, nah, not quite. I watched this video on mute. I watched it with the sound up. I watched it in slow motion. And quick disclaimer. I have a family uh, that supports law enforcement. I have family members that are retired from the NYPD. And I myself was a volunteer, part of the Nutley Police Department's auxiliary many years ago, helping do whatever I had to help with because one day somebody came to the house with a sketch of a guy that was luring little kids. And I just happened to have two little kids and lived in town. And I said, you know what? That's not cool. They were looking for additional people. So I went. I went to the Essex County College Police Academy, an abbreviated academy for the uh, auxiliary unit that they run there. And uh, it was great. I learned a lot. I was trained um, to some degree in the use of force. And I understand and see things differently than most because I've, I've had a chance to learn about how cops look at things. And when I watched this video of a plainclothes NYPD officer named Francisco Garcia, I believe that he was within protocol and within his rights. Did he shout the F-bomb more than once? He did. And do cops do that? They do. (laughs) Is it appropriate? I'll leave that up to you to decide. This is New York City. I don't use that type of language on a regular basis, but he did. It was a heat of the moment situation where people are forgetting just two or three weeks ago. Same scenario. Cops had their knee in somebody's back, applying handcuffs, getting ready to, you know, neutralize the situation. And just a quote unquote innocent passerby just comes by and starts wailing on the cop. Not just one sucker punch, three, four, five piece combination before he ran off. Cops are getting attacked for doing their job. In too many situations, when a cop is bent over trying to arrest somebody, help somebody off the floor, whatever the case is, and they've got their back turned, somebody's hitting them from behind. There's always a coward out there looking to throw a sucker punch at a cop. So when you have these cops that are dealing with whatever call they had, now that's not the debate to me, whether they were there for a social distancing call or not, I don't know. I don't know if the store owner called and said, hey, get these people out. They don't have masks on. I don't know the story. Those That much of the facts I haven't gotten. I do know they got one person in custody and a crowd was building, getting closer and closer to these officers. When a crowd gets closer to three cops that are handcuffing people, and you've got 15 or 20 people moving in with cell phones and whatever, and maybe that one tough guy that wants to throw a sucker punch, you got to be on your guard. You got to keep your eyes open. You need eyes in the back of your head. So what did he do? He pulled out his taser when he saw people coming too close and told them to back the F up, to move the F back. And then he put his taser away. 
And once he put his taser away, you can see the person continued to charge toward him. Now, his report indicates that the person took a fighting stance, and I'm sure that's visible on his body cam, which is hanging around his neck in the video. But the bystander video that I saw in the New York Post clearly shows Officer Garcia with two open hands at his sides with a holstered taser. He wasn't making a move on this guy. But if you look at the guy's gait, the way he's standing, he's got a clenched fist in his right hand and it starts to go up when you move it in slow motion. You'll see Officer Garcia grab his hand to block the punch, at which point he gets the upper hand, hits him with his other hand, takes him down with a little foot sweep. Boom, he's on the floor and he handcuffs him. And to make sure he doesn't go anywhere, he applies pressure with his knee to the subject's back to keep him in place. People want to say it's his neck, but it's not his neck because the guy's clearly talking and he's breathing just fine. Just because there was one Eric Garner situation doesn't mean every single arrest is an Eric Garner situation. And just because a cop arrests somebody and he has to do it aggressively, or he did it aggressively, whether he had to or not, maybe because he didn't say please and thank you while he was taking some thug to the, to the ground who was about to punch him in his grill, it doesn't mean it's police brutality. And it doesn't mean that we live in a police state. Whether you're a cop or no cop, somebody steps up to you and you're, they're six feet away from you, not six feet, uh, six inches, right? Because this was right in his face, which makes it even worse during a global pandemic. But still, you see his hand cocked, ready to go right across your jaw. What do you do? You're either going to get punched or you're going to stop that from happening. You have to make a split second decision to decide who do you want to be, the guy that gets punched or the guy that wins. I can tell you right now, I'm not going to wait till you punch me in the face to defend myself. If I see the punch coming, I'm going to block it and do exactly what he did. I think he did, not only did he do what he was supposed to do, he did it very well. He took the guy down without further incident, got him into cuffs, no more incident at that scene. Yet, the New York Post, which has some conservative leanings in their editorial department, the Daily News, which has many liberal leanings in their editorial department, they had the same conclusion. Aggressive, taser-wielding cop attacks bystander. That's Bolshevik. That is propaganda. That's not the facts. He could have just shot the guy with the taser if he felt like it. He wanted to move the crowd back. The one outlier, that one dude wanted to keep coming towards him. And I saw it from the back from a cell phone video. You could see he's got his hand clenched and he raises it. As he's raising it, the cop is a little bit faster, stronger, and smarter than this guy. Was able to put his hand on his forearm. And you could see this in the video. It just goes really fast. And then takes him down. Now, people want to say, oh, but then he smacked him afterwards. Well, sometimes adrenaline goes. And if they want to give him a write-up for that, then hey, why not? I'm all for that one. But everything leading up to it, saying that he made things worse and, and de Blasio's despicable comments that he saw behavior that he wasn't proud of or whatever, that's what I see every time I look at de Blasio. Bill El Bobo de Blasio is a disgrace. And if we had a city filled, at least half of the cops, as dedicated and as committed as Garcia, this city would look a lot different and a lot better. It's a shame that we live in a city and in a world where when you do your job and you stand your ground, just like Trump, Trump stands his ground. The media comes at him asking stupid questions. Like last week when that woman said, do you think a president that loses X, Y, and Z amount of troops like they did in the Vietnam War deserves to be reelected? It's a question that had no bearing on the press conference about coronavirus. It's a setup. 
There's no way for him to win a question like that. It has no bearing. It's literally a political takedown. But Trump is smart. He sees it coming. He blocks it and he answers it with finesse. And that's exactly what this street smart cop did. And I don't even know this guy. For all I know, he's a big Bernie bro, huge AOC supporter. Might have even voted for de Blasio. I don't know. It's not a partisan thing for me. This isn't about my political ideology or my views on, on politics. This is about just black and white and not racial. I mean, right and wrong, open, shut, this or that. He was about to get punched in the face and he stopped it from happening. He was moving a crowd back and he was aggressive in doing so. And guess what? Police work can get ugly. It can get messy. And in my opinion, it looks like he did what he had to do and what needed to be done. I'm with him 100%. Now, with respect to that, I spent the rest of that little pre-birthday gathering with my family debating about this same topic and talking about a short documentary that was on Vice, which I think is on YouTube now, where the NRA expands its presence in Puerto Rico. And this is about from five years ago, and we were talking about that. And I want to get in on that conversation, but we're going to have to leave that one for the next edition of This Is America. So until next time, America, please catch up on every previous episode because I always refer back to things and I want you to know what ambitus is and all of my thoughts on that. So if you could listen to that and share it with a friend, the shares and retweets make the entire program. If it isn't for you and you sharing this content, we have no show. So I thank you. Each and every one of you that leaves a review, that gives us a thumbs up, five star, whatever it is that you do that shares this on your social media and tags us in posts, that is what makes the show. That's how this conversation continues and more people are able to hear what we're talking about. So on behalf of Mr. Producer and myself, I want to thank you for all of you that are doing that and for all of you that aren't. It's my birthday, so start doing it today. Now, I always leave you with a couple of admonitions from historical figures. First, Sir Edmund Burke. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. And one of my favorites from Hamilton, that if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time. I'm Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. 